0: If they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Shirley Chisholm. Bending, not breaking. A Patreon exclusive. Hello there. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Pruitt, and we are the team that brings you bending, not breaking. But now we're doing things that's not necessarily Avatar-related, because our wonderful producer, we think he needs more airtime. Yeah. And so for our patrons who are listening to this, uh, one, thank you for supporting. Two, you're gonna get some bonus episodes, so that's fun. And three, we're gonna do the same thing that we do with Avatar. But because Max feels a little left out sometimes, we're going to let him choose what we're watching. We're going to be inclusive. And so we have Max Gongaware, our producer, but also now third host for this show. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. It's good to be here.
0: You know that like, you have to actually contribute on these episodes. On these episodes. We're doing them not for you. We're doing them because, one, we think you have valuable input, but also that we're watching stuff that you connect with, that you really enjoy, and that you get to share
2: that joy with others.
1: Sure. Yeah, I understand that. Sorry my first answer was short. I'll try to do better next time, sunshine. It
2: just seemed like you were trying to be on brand, and I think that brand's going to change. Or, needs, or maybe not change, but, you know, uh, a, a, be adaptable. Like a these. delicate
0: flower about to blossom. We just need you to open up a little bit more.
1: I'm here to serve. <laughs> How right. do you feel about
2: being called a delicate flower? I don't mind. Cool.
1: I'm a pretty delicate guy. Y'all y'all know that.
2: Yeah. You just made a face. I what flower
1: to...
0: would
2: Max be? Ooh. That's an interesting question.
1: Probably the type you bake with, right?
2: When I think <laughs> <laughs> when I think of delicate flowers, I think of orchids. I think like a Japanese peace lily. Orchids are really very 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 fragile and need delicacy when when working with them.
0: Well, we are watching a
2: special Movie. Special. We're doing a movie. We're doing a movie. A movie this time. We yeah. are breaking up into two parts. Because so there'll be two episodes. Because we're really only good at
0: talking about 20-minute segments at a time. So we're even, we're really... We're
2: stretching ourselves to a 45-minute segment here.
0: But Max, what are we watching? Why did you choose it? And how do we move forward from here?
1: So, fun fact, we've actually already watched it. So it sounded like you were saying, what are we watching? As if we hadn't seen it yet. But what we watched was The Terminal. Starring Tom Hanks as Victor Noworski, which has long been known as my favorite movie of all time. Everybody knows this, including our patrons. Um, It's the greatest film ever created. When did it come out? When did it come out, Max? It came out uh, in 2003. I don't know. Why does that matter?
2: I was just curious, just for a frame of reference. It was a 2004 film. 2004, 2004. okay.
1: So it was filmed largely in 2003. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, (laughs) gotcha, gotcha
1: came out in 2004
2: so tell us like why why this movie why Why is this movie your favorite why do you connect with it
1: i just love um people watching and um feeling like i am a cheerleader of others uh i like to feel like i am connected in other people's lives even in a minuscule way and i think those are all things that victor does a nice job of of, of doing throughout this movie And he just embraces a lot of different challenges In a very admirable way
2: So I'm hearing that you Empathize a lot with, with Victor The main character
1: Absolutely, plus who doesn't love hanging out In an airport for hours Days, months at a time
0: To be fair I've hung out in an airport with Max before And it's it's fun
1: We had a well,
2: good time you know, I, I, I d- put it on my resume to be fair, I think hanging out with a friend is probably different than hanging out all alone when you don't speak the language that people are speaking.
1: Oh, I love alone time in an airport, let me tell you.
2: Tell us. <laughs> That's kind of the point. You get, you get to tell us I'm, on these I'm
1: episodes. I'm that guy who, like, is, I'm not concerned that I showed up three hours early under the veil of I don't want to run into security, but really I'm just anxious to get into the terminal and, like, hang out, maybe find something cool to eat, and... Uh, like, look at my phone and, like, pretend to be listening to things on my earplugs, but sometimes just overhearing conversations, you know?
0: You'd be a really good a spy. Who says I'm not? So, like, you know, we can bridge those things together. Anyways. Bridge of spies, if you will? Yeah. <laughs> Max, I don't, I don't get it. It's a Tom Hanks movie, Ben. ketchup. All right. As we're speaking of ketchup, which Max hates um let's jump in uh ben i would normally ask you to recap at this point but we're gonna let max
1: do
2: that max today. is gonna be doing so all max, of the max's have, choice recaps this
1: is the uninformed recap you have this is super it should be a, <laughs> informed recap super informed you should have a very
2: informed in recap. fact you're more informed than either of us considering how many times you've watched it
0: all right you've got to cover double the amount of time uh like 45 minutes worth of plot into this movie um, and, but I'm, I'm still only going to give you 30 seconds.
1: Great. I'm just going to do the whole movie because I'm not sure when we decided the halfway point was.
0: We well Well, uh, I'm going to stop you at 30 seconds anyway. So on your mark, get set, go.
1: Victor Noworski is a man on a mission. His father is a, a fan of jazz music, but he's passed away recently. So sad. Victor decides to go from his home of Krakosia which is presumably in you, Eastern you got Europe.
0: you 15 seconds.
1: To New York City to collect the signature of his favorite jazz musician. But alas, his country goes to war while he's in the air.
2: Five seconds. And he's not
1: allowed into New York soil. You
2: haven't even started the movie. Two, one. Awesome! Well, y'all. He's stuck in the
1: terminal. <laughs> and drama and comedy ensues.
0: You'll get a chance to, to give a recap for the back half. Uh, during part two of this, part two,
1: I'll do the rest uh, of the movie. Part yeah.
0: two, you get the rest of the movie. So remember where you left that's off. That's
1: basically the first half of the movie.
0: <laughs> that's, like, that's no, the no it's not. It's not even. It's like... Like the,
1: the, the beauty of a movie in which some guy is stuck in one place for the whole time is basically I just recapped the movie.
0: So you have a plotless movie as your favorite movie of all time?
1: I don't know. I don't love the tone in which you said <laughs> that, but yeah. <laughs>
0: There's actually... I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly happy. Uh, we we picked the lens of inclusion for this one. Um, for the first half. which For the first half of this movie. And I think that it, we're going to actually end up having a lot to talk about. Um, and so Max picks the lens uh, for this. And so well done, Max.
1: I'm good at I, what I do. I
0: think we're going to have some good conversation. To be so, determined. Um, are we ready to just jump on in?
1: Let's do it. Let's
0: go through the gate and head to the terminal. And let's begin, right? Max, that's copyright. You can't just whistle things like that. It's
1: fair use under 30 seconds, John Williams.
0: (laughs) All right. There you go. Um, So what was something that popped out to – and let's start with Max. Let's start with Max. What's something that popped out to you uh, as a moment of inclusion or something that you you wanted to highlight?
1: Sure. So Victor Noworski is a man on a mission. (laughs) He arrives at the airport wearing a little cap that we don't see for the rest of the movie he presents his passport to a customs agent who scans it several times, and something weird is afoot. The scanner just is not <laughs> I reacting I don't know if I way. need to, like,
0: stop him. Like, like, what's the, like, where's the moment... I can't moment? tell if like, he's, like, what he's still, doing. If he's, like, still planning on recapping, or if he's is actually this? talking about this individual moment.
1: The, so, well, basically what I'm saying here is the customs <laughs> agent... Yes, the lens is inclusion, but I think what we may end up speaking about is, is examples of a lack of inclusion here and there and everywhere throughout the first half of this film. And we see it firsthand when this customs agent does not do a great job of being fully transparent with Victor of what's going on here. To be fair, there is a language barrier, but essentially what happens is he's like, I don't know what's going on here. And then they have to like take him into a different office and you see Victor's face is like, oh, this must all be normal. Uh, and then, but they take him into the this office, and actually before that, they put him in a literal box of, uh, stanchions.
0: Yeah, they literally square Which, him off. And that's a moment that I wrote down, because I think it's worth highlighting, in a moment where you are in the building, right? How many, how often do we talk about being included? Like, we invited them in, we invited someone to this party, we invited someone into this organization, we invited them in, but then do we put them in a literal box that excludes them from everybody else? Mm. Um... And so I think the point that I'm trying to make is you can invite someone in, but if you are not creating a space that is welcoming, that is allowing them to be a part of it or safe, then they're not actually included in what you're doing. So as an organization, you can say like, oh, we've got a really diverse group of people. It's wonderful. But if the behavior of your organization is not creating a welcoming or safe environment, like you're still not doing what you need to be doing. Correct. Um, And so I think that's what this moment brought up for me. I
2: also want to go to a little bit before that. Like, when we see all of these customs agents, like, this is, like, as the credits are still rolling, I feel like all the customs agents are welcoming people in. And I say welcoming loosely because it doesn't seem like they're very welcoming, right? They're none of them. I didn't see one. They're outwardly
1: looking for reasons to keep people out of the country.
2: Yeah, I didn't see one person smile that was a customs agent throughout the entire movie.
1: At the opening credit sequence, you've got Frank Dixon played by... Stanley Tucci. little touch of the toots.
2: That's one. (laughs) There's one. Um,
1: We see this scene where he, like, sees this group of uh, Asians coming into the States, and they are presumably headed to Disney World. And what he says is, when was the last time you saw a group of Asians coming into the States, coming into uh, the, what is it, JFK, FDR, true American. Um,
2: With no cameras.
1: With no cameras. And, like, so clearly what this man is looking for is not... Like, a, oh, how can our airport feel welcoming, welcome all these people? Instead, what he's looking for is, who can I find to uh, that? Who is breaking
2: that, the mold? Well, who is breaking the stereotypes I, that I have built into my head? And I want to say, what happens
0: when jobs are specifically meant to exclude people? Precisely. That's right? an interesting question. So is it impossible if a job or a culture or of a job is meant to be exclusionary— or meant to serve a, a very singular purpose that is not necessarily a welcoming one, is it really tough for the employees of that job or the culture to be one that is welcoming? Are those customs agents
2: supposed to be somewhat
0: intimidating?
2: Well, and let me be real. Like, I tra- I travel a couple times a year, not clearly with COVID, but, like, when I travel, I... When I come, come back to the country, I feel really nervous going into customs. And I haven't done anything wrong. Like, I'm I'm... I come up to a customs agent, and I'm worried that I'm gonna get pulled over and pulled aside. And I'm not like I'm a a white cisgender male who shouldn't be worried, right? I don't do anything wrong, I don't think. But like I, I still worry when I go up to this agent because it's nerve wracking. It's a, it's a like I don't love it.
0: Isn't that a taste of a feeling that like so many other individuals? Oh my god, that have it
2: it so much worse, right? And it's just. Yeah, it's so.
1: Well, I think it's also fascinating. Like, I feel like that is not, like Victor's expectation is this is America is supposed to be this welcoming welcoming melting pot of of inclusion. He goes in, and he's like, oh, this is all normal. Like, he's ready to go and to get York. that autograph and then get back on a plane to Kirkosia. So it's very interesting to to hear like our jaded perspective of American customs agents versus. What is the perspective of somebody coming from an Eastern European country who's been told about this American dream and just even how much that has changed, I wonder, since 2004 to 2020?
2: hmm hmm A lot, probably. Yeah, yeah, so
0: really, I think the big takeaway from this moment is you can't just bring people in. You've got to create the environment. You've got to create a welcoming space, and you've got to really look and see what's the intention of what you're doing. And how are you intentionally yeah. being inclusive? Not just saying, like, oh, well, we invited them. Well, if, if you were, you know, it's probably a terrible uh, analogy. Well, You're, you know, 16-year-olds throwing a birthday party. Well, we invited someone. They decided not to come. It's like, well, they get picked on every
2: time they show up to the group. Like, yeah, why well, would they show up? Why would they go? Well, I think that's so. That's such an important thing to think about in terms of what the difference between being inclusive is and, like, how— ha- like, I'm gonna preach this as a value that we have. We are inclusive. So we're going to invite people to our group or our thing or whatever we're doing, but the invitation alone is not enough. Not nearly. That is like step one oh one, like except not even. Like that's kindergarten. Like you it's like should perform- have
0: performative activism, right? Yeah.
2: You know, there's a there's a great essay by Robert Fulghum. It's called Everything I Need to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten. Love it. It's phenomenal. You should read it. But it's like one of the things that he learned in kindergarten is be nice, right? Be kind to people and like share cookies and milk, like take a nap, like all the good things. But I I think that being inclusive and inviting someone to the party is is kindergarten. What we are, we are like adults or we are people who have a, a higher capacity than we are exhibiting. And so we need to think about what does our room look like for these people that we are inviting? Is this a a community where we are being inclusive in our actions, in what we're doing, Mm -hmm. not just how we're bringing people in? And I think that's just so important. It's just, and, and you know what? Airports don't do a good job of it. They do not.
1: I think it's that's an interesting way to think about it because as an adult and as somebody who's Lived a little bit more life than a kindergartner. Yes, when I get invited to places, that is them being nice. That is them uh, throwing an example of, okay, here's something I learned in kindergarten. I can invite people. That's a way to be nice. But as adults, just getting invited somewhere is not enough. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's just a pity invitation. Uh, so, For real. And then, like, even when I'm at the party or at the happy hour or whatever it may be. I'm like, I still feel like an outsider. It's like, wow, they really invited me to this. That was very nice of them, but I don't really believe that they like want me to be there. Or, you know, when I leave, they're going to go do, they're going to go have their post happy hour, happy hour. Or, and that sometimes that's like a, that's a max thing where that's my own story that I'm telling myself, but it's also like on them a little bit too. Like there's some, there's something missing here that they're not creating a sense of, belonging
2: well again it's intention versus impact right we can intend for people every oh everyone's welcome here everyone's invited versus impact where only a few people uh, a select group may come right and so the impact is you only have a select group which means yet something's missing right intention versus impact what matters impact absolutely
0: and uh, Max, you said earlier you said language was a barrier of inclusion. So I want to kind of yeah, we should that talk up. about that. What sure. are more barriers to inclusion that we saw in the first segment of the terminal? So I had language as one, right? We see that but pro- anytime he tries to communicate, whether it's with Stanley Tucci, where Stanley Tucci has to we'll then use a potato chip bag as Krakosia to represent Civil
2: War. Well, not only that, but like he also used an apple where Victor was like, oh, the Big Apple, New York, and then he proceeded to destroy Kokosia with the Big Apple. Correct. So does he think then that Krakosia, like, clearly it didn't land at all. It wasn't but, a great analogy. But, like, it was bad. Like, does the Big Apple, like, I don't know. Other things that I
0: wrote down is societal norms, right? If you're not aware of the, the norms of the society that you are in, that's going to
2: create a barrier for inclusion. I think a major barrier is is finances. Money. Correct. Especially in this environment. Well, especially in a capital
0: capitalistic
1: well, also, they, Entity, like, right. they literally cannot convert his Krakovian money into American money. Like Krakovian money, like there was no way for any, even if he did have pocket money, he couldn't use it because Carcosia doesn't have a government right now, and therefore there's no exchange rate and this and that. So they give him food voucher, vouchers, but he doesn't know what to do with that,
2: and he loses them promptly.
0: Well, because another societal norm might be that he, you know, don't you know, left his food voucher. Like he didn't put him in a pocket; he left him on a. On a bench, right? I, you know, I was half expecting for someone to grab them. That's what I was expecting. Um, but they yeah. they they fall away. But then they get thrown away, and he tries to go dig through the trash, and no. You do you have that. an
2: appointment? Terrible. Not a great accident. That man. was bad.
0: Well, um, eh, I did my best. It's like a Jafar, like <sighs> like I don't. Anyways, um, isn't Jafar? But but like, hey, you don't push down. some of that, sh- None of us should be
1: trying to do an Indian accent. Right. Correct. Um, so his bad, like he, did, I don't think that was really an attempt to do an Indian accent. I know. that's how bad it was. Yeah, <laughs> so, um,
0: but he tries to help. He tries to help the other person load their suitcase, but breaks the suitcase in the process. Yep. Um, Intention versus but, impact. Correct. Uh, anxiety, fear. I wrote down sarcasm. Um, and I think I wrote that down for when, um, when he tries to go through through the trash, and. Do you have an appointment? Oh, come back on Tuesday. That's when I'll let you dig through my trash. Clearly sarcasm. But can we talk about like sarcasm? Can we take a moment for sarcasm and how that is one of the most exclusive things you can do?
2: Sarcasm is probably one of my biggest unfortunate things that I do. And
0: we do it. I do it, still. Oh, me too. Um, Oh, do you? (laughs) But sarcasm itself is it when you use it against someone, you are inherently set calling them stupid based off of the way that you're reacting to them. Um, it is in no way, shape, or form meant to create connection. It is only meant to drive disconnection.
1: Especially when like you're just meeting somebody. I think that over time, like you and I have known each other for over 10 years, so we can get a banter of sarcasm going back and forth with each other.
0: Yes, and it doesn't bother, I would say most of the time it doesn't bother us, And it still is more of, I would say, even in those moments, is more likely to be a divisive measure than one of connection. Like, we have a strong enough relationship that it can weather that and it's not necessarily going to bother us. But if it was something that continued to happen all the time over time, it would eventually drive a wedge.
1: One of our favorite games to play with each other is uh, you see a movie on TV that stars Tom Hanks. And it's the Terminal, but you'll come up and say, oh, I love Bridge of Spies. Correct. Is that sarcasm? Kind of, right? But that's but, not a.
0: But here, but I'll even say I do that all the time, and it is to technically see if I can like. Sunshine's the biggest troll on the internet.
1: But he certainly is not.
0: Um, I'm not. <laughs> Um, but I do that to see if I can, honestly, it comes from a, can I prove my movie knowledge over you and convince you that you're wrong based off of a perception of how well I know this movie.
2: Again, that is a, an act of, hey, I know more than you. Correct. It's an act of disconnection.
0: Um, so even when I play that game, I think that I'm not being the best version of myself that I can be. And so that's, I think that's my argument for sarcasm.
2: Well, it's just there's so much To be clear, I'm
1: not pro sarcasm. I'm just I'm just, you know, there are examples where I think it's acceptable.
2: Ex- well, uh, it, mm, acceptable versus uh what builds connection, right? I think sure. it's one of those things where like there are plenty of friendships in which I will utilize sarcasm, but again, if I if I were to really filter everything that I did, I probably wouldn't use it. But it's also one of those things where like where it is certainly not acceptable and should not be used are with a stranger, teachers, yeah, with students, like where there is a power over situation, There's any a, sort yeah, of power hier- any sort of hierarchy, there should not be sarcasm used, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I just I think that has no place, and I think it causes problems. I
0: vividly remember a fifth grade teacher asking me what is wrong with me, and sh- I. If I'm giving the most generous assumption, I think she said that as a joke. And to this day, I vividly remember it and don't feel good about it. And that was 20 years ago.
2: And this is another good example of intention versus impact, right? Like when we intend to, like, sometimes our intention with sarcasm is to, you know, let's, you know, poke fun. Oh, when I poke fun, I laugh. Laughing is good. Laughing builds connection. But you have to think about who's laughing and at whose expense. Right, and I think that's that's what really matters uh, to think about for sure. And and like talking about a language barrier, sarcasm on top of a language barrier. Of course, Victor's not going to catch sarcasm when there's a language barrier.
1: He was just grateful to, that he understood the word Tuesday.
2: Correct. Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Like that's how that's when he heard Tuesday. He was like, "Oh,
1: that's a day of the week. I know." Wednesday. The yeah, I, I can, can figure Tuesday out Tuesday is.
0: Ugh!
2: Like it's just, and it's just.
0: Props to him for learning the language the way he did by picking up two different Sky Mall magazines or whatever Infer- they were, yeah. or in, like New York Info Maps, and being able to compare and contrast to learn words. Um, well, and we—he's there in the story for nine months, but this was based off of a guy who was in a terminal for thirteen years or something like that. I don't
1: know. That That's, seems like that a long seems
0: excessive. I, I I'll do my research, but
2: continue talking. So okay. So uh, I'm curious, Max, why, answer me this, why doesn't this airport, which is a extremely an extremely well-traveled airport...
1: It's theoretically JFK.
2: Yes. Wh- why doesn't this airport have a interpreter on staff ready to go?
1: I don't know why. You would think, yeah, you would think they would. They're in the biggest city in the world, the greatest city in the world, according to Lin-Manuel Miranda. And uh, they're, like, you would think they would have people available at any given moment or certainly within the course of several hours or a couple days that they could have somebody available. And I think even in the opening sequences, like Frank Dixon is talking to one of his cohorts saying, when can we have an interpreter here? He did. And then it just never happened. It never
2: happened. And they, they had to, Krakosia isn't a real place. So, but he was speaking a language. You even heard him speak a language later in the movie where he's, uh, Victor has to act as an interpreter. Like, so not only do I, am I holding power over this person, but now I'm going to use him. And like, talk about like, I, that just felt grody to me. Like, yeah. pay your people, pay an interpreter, because you clearly need one. Why do they not have one on staff? That's like, as Stanley Tucci, hey, you need, here's my advice for Stanley Tucci. Hire interpreters, pay people for that kind of work.
0: That's for the real Stanley Tucci, or just the... No, for his character.
1: (laughs) Frank Dixon.
2: Yes.
0: Um, The movie was inspired by a man who who lived in a terminal in France after being expelled from uh, Iran uh, from 1988 to 2006.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's 18 years if you're keeping track at home.
0: And he wrote the book The Terminal Man
2: about his story, which is... Wow, but they made the movie off of. I didn't. I didn't realize that. That 18 sounds eighteen years. That sounds unfortunate. Where did he sleep? Did he sleep in? in, chairs? in the, he stayed Gate in the terminal. Gate sixty-seven, lounge. my dude. <laughs> Gate sixty-seven. So, oh god. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Um, one thing I want to talk about that came up for me is what is the importance of a, when it comes to being included to making a space for yourself. And the reason I asked that is we see him start to create a home by making his own bed and finding a place for him and finding a corner of this terminal that could be his um and so i wonder if that's something that's just like no you really need other people to help make that space for you or if it's a sometimes you got to make your own space and say i'm here you need to accept me and how are we going to make this happen squatter's rights
1: I think, I mean, that that may be a, it depends on the person. Like, I think the little, the little soliloquy I told earlier, I like, that was an example of, I am not the person who feels comfortable creating a space for myself and feeling confident within that space. Like I need help being included. Whereas Victor, whether it's cultural differences or whatever it may be, he, he, or desperation. I mean, he was able to create that space for himself and maybe blissful, Confidence bliss, confidence driven by blissful ignorance, whatever it may have been, he certainly was able to create that space for himself, which motivated him to uh, accomplish a lot while he was in the terminal. But uh, I, I don't know if it just depends on the person.
2: I think what, what bothers me is that there was no follow through on act of the airport. And so I understand not providing someone a place to sleep for a day uh, or even two days. But w- at what point should Frank have st- had st- should he have stepped in and said, okay this is, this is taking longer than we expected. What can we do to ensure this this person has basic human dignity? Well he how did, can he did we
1: the opposite? He said this is taking longer than expected. Why hasn't he just left so that I can be rid uh, of well, him?
2: And that's, and I, like and I'm saying and the inclusive thing to do is to provide right it is y- 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 like, you are responsible in this situation. You are the head of uh, this administration that is making decisions on how we're ca- like working with this. It, I feel like – t- tell me if I'm wrong, but like I feel like that's incumbent upon him to utilize his resources to provide basic human dignity and things that will help him be human.
0: So here's what I'm going to say. Don't be Frank Dixon, right? Right. He didn't kick him out, or force him out, or find a way to arrest him inside of his terminal because he knew it was wrong, and he knew that it would look bad. But he didn't do what was right, so he would—he just—it was inaction. And I think this is where you highlight where inaction is not okay.
1: It was—it wasn't like it was—he was trying to trap Victor into leaving the airport. Correct. By yeah. telling him, "Hey, this guard is going. This door is going to be unattended." I
2: wait. I wait. And I, my, like
1: my interpretation was like he was gonna ask he, Victor was gonna leave the airport,
2: and he was gonna and, arrest him, and
1: Frank was gonna call for his arrest. Correct. And like I,
2: like how? So that's not well,
1: inaction to me. That's like, that is malicious.
2: It's it's a, mm, it's a bad move.
0: Yeah. Like that's bad. When, and then also look at it when he found ways to make money, he prevented it from he happening. Prevented it from happening. He okay. actively tried to starve him out. <laughs>
1: I think the carts thing was is maybe the reason this is my favorite movie of all time. Well, is just the genius of Victor notices that when you return the little cart, you get a quarterback. Yep. And he says, he also notices that for most people, they don't care about getting that quarterback. So they just leave the carts strewn about the terminal. So Victor now is collecting carts around the airport and turning them all in like stacks of 20 at a time so he can get... Uh, a happy meal, five dollars. Yeah, five dollars right. worth of of food from Burger King. Sponsor us, by the Speaking way.
0: Speaking
2: of Burger King, right? I, I think that they make an inclusive move. What like talk? Yes. So the the cashier at Burger King is pretty inclusive. Like Victor goes up to them and puts money on the counter. He doesn't order anything. They just be like, "This is what we can give you." With, and, yeah. And then they do. So um, they I feel like that's a really inclusive act to say. Wow, okay. There
0: might be a language barrier. You want food. We're just we're gonna we're gonna help you bridge this gap by giving you the food that we think will be best suited for you in this Based moment. Based off what you're paying, right? Um. Hopefully, you know, maybe he gave feedback by being like, "Ugh, gross," and then maybe like we don't see any of that, but I I hope we, we my, see him starving and so My yeah, my general assumption is that like if he was like, ugh, uh, gross," that they'd be like, "Right," when he shows up tomorrow, we won't give him. The chicken fries, right? Like that's, I don't know if those were in existence in 2004, but.
2: Well, and so let me ask y'all, what is the, what's the generous assumption then on why the Tooch created transportation liaison for passenger assistance?
1: He's up for a promotion. I don't know if that's the generous assumption, but I think that his, his supervisor has announced his retirement and has told him, oh, you, you, like you are the person I'm planning to recommend in the next couple weeks to take my job. So I think he's he's up for promotion, trying to think of some creative ideas, and meanwhile, like Victor is the thorn in his side, so he's like, Well, this is the clear challenge that I'm presented with right now, but if I can come up with a creative solution, it's gonna it's gonna be that extra step toward my promotion.
2: I think my my issue is that I, I based off of what you're saying, I wonder if the Tooch is rewarded for like, finding and nabbing criminal behavior. I wonder if it's, like, a check on his scorecard. In which case, luring this guy, Victor, into a criminal act and catching him is a, is a tick on his scorecard.
0: And if that's the case, then it goes back to what we were talking about. If the job is designed yeah. to be exclusive then your behavior is going to do that.
2: Well, it's more than that. It's like, it goes, it, it talks about like, it bring another uh, analogy might be if a, if Which a police you should officer just not choose
0: that job, right? Like that's where that's, that's where we are. Yeah. Another
2: <laughs> uh, example of that is if a police officer has like a quota for the amount of, tickets they have to issue for speeding or something along those lines right which uh, that's pretty much banned i think but i hope but uh it's like you know what i mean like that's and an they're example, gonna do what they can to get the quota but they're gonna do like even if they're you know doing wrong things in order to get that quota they're going to do what they can because their performance and evaluation is based off of that and so we need to be very careful about How? What are the carrots and sticks in our lives that are rewarding us and punishing us? Like what the carrots that we want to get and the sticks that are whacking us when we make mistakes. What are they causing us to do? And is that something that's influencing our behavior? Because if so, we need to evaluate those and figure out how we can change them. Yes. Because I don't ever want to work in a job where I'm being rewarded for something that isn't – you know humane isn't uh protecting human rights and human dignity
0: well and here's and here's the back to that right like i have to have this job or a job to survive and if this is the only one that'll hire me it's the one i have to take right now and hopefully i can afford to leave it later which gets us to a point of saying like let's make sure people aren't ever at that stage in their life let's take care of all the things that we can to take care of people so they don't feel like an immoral job is the only one they can take for their own survival i want that for people I want that. I I agree. Um, Max, is there another big moment of inclusion for you that you'd like to highlight?
1: I think for me, uh, Victor's interactions with Officer Torres um, is a really good example of somebody becoming more inclusive over time. Um, His first interaction is he's filling out this form that he thinks is going to get him into the country. And not she, the blue
2: form. And she basically says... Not the green form. She
1: basically says, wrong form, Light green form. And then he fills out another form. She says, nope, still wrong form. You need to fill out the light green form.
2: And... And to be fair, she's pretty terse with him yes. up front. Like, she's not nice. Well, and I th-
0: yeah, that goes to, if you're being given the most generous assumption, how often is she dealing with people who don't get it? Don't get it. Right? Who are Who she's having to repeat over and over again. And maybe she is not doing the best job of giving them the most generous assumption because... Hey, this guy wasn't the same guy who came up to me five minutes ago and pulled up the wrong form. This is I why I don't like going to the DMV. None of the, uh, I've never met someone incredibly happy. I try to be very pleasant when I go into places like that because everyone else is very upset and understandably frustrated. And I try to I try to be a lighthouse. I try to be a little glimmer of hope. <laughs> try to be a little glimmer of hope, and just be pleasant
1: but ultimately to get inclusion back to inclusion is
0: like a lighthouse.
1: Yes. It lights the way for others when they're feeling
0: when the way is dark. Yeah, Yeah, you know.
1: But late so he Little has lighthouse. this he has this interaction with Officer Torres every day. She's played by Zoe Saldana, who you know from such films Center as Center Stage. What's the one with Ashton Kutcher and Bernie Mac?
2: I don't know. But uh, she's been in a lot of stuff.
1: Guess who? I, yeah. That's that's her, right? Mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, drum, she's also in. Line.
0: She's also in Avatar, the Blue People movie.
1: Drumline. But she so he has this line. interaction with her every day. Star and Trek. As his English gets better and better, he he starts to like pick up some of, like some of his Krakosian charm is is uh, better picked up by English speakers. Uh, but one of the first smiles he receives in the movie is when he explains, like uh, Officer Torres says, "You know, I'm not going to." accept you. Like, you know, I'm not going to give you the green sticker or green stamp that you're looking for. Why do you come back here every single day? And his perspective is, well, you have a red stamp and you have a green stamp. It's 50 So, my chances of going to New York are 50-50. And finally, like, she cracks a smile and is like, that is a beautiful way of looking at it, Mr. Noworski. And I feel like that is the first time that he is like well, not welcomed, because obviously she still gives him the red stamp, but that uh, like, like he feels like he belongs to a relationship within the terminal,
0: And I think that's an important moment because I think it highlights the fact that when we create moments of connections for other people and create a place for other people to belong, we create a place for us to belong as well. So when we create a place for other people to belong, we're creating a space for us to belong in those moments as well. And we see that a couple times because I, I took note. It was one of the biggest points that I walked away with that, uh, this front of the movie is um, the moment that Victor helps Emilio by pointing out the wet floor sign, right? He creates a yeah. moment of connection, takes care of her, and creates, and creates a bond.
1: Sensible heels. Pay shoes
0: but because of that she is now more accepting of him because of that moment and is more likely to be responsive in that way for him so he's he's creating that moment for himself as well it
1: still takes her some time to- like
0: it does it's not he has to remind
1: perfect. like later he has to remind her of that interaction that they had, had after he was eavesdropping her phone conversation like mm-hmm. but yes that that moment was it was what is the TED talk the lollipop moment the, Correct. that was that uh, slippery floor, wet floor moment was was Victor's lollipop moment.
0: and then he he helps Enrique and Officer Torres create a bond.
1: Um, Absolutely, he does. Um, yeah. And
0: that... So he's get This little moments of connection. Um, he asks Amelia open ended questions when they're talking for the first time, and lets her speak about herself and, and listens by to what she's saying. Catherine Zeta Jones. Um, she dips beneath lasers.
1: Oh all
0: that jazz um so but i think it is a really important thing that when you again and i really want to highlight it when you take oh, time I love sweetie todd to create moments
1: i love kiss me kate
2: when you take time to create connection all that jazz is from chicago well, it's also about listen. it's about jazz What this movie is about jazz that was a good connection and you ruined it all that jazz is a different
1: movie I know my musicals that's kiss me kate my dude
0: Y'all, anyways we need a too we need a, hot. we just we i just talked about bending, sarcasm bending br- I, it's not,
2: it's not, it's not it's not i wasn't being sarcastic he was being sarcastic
0: <laughs> anyways we when we never when we create moments of connection and uh, jokes aside because i think this is is one of the biggest takes away from me that uh, takeaways for me this this thing is when we create places for other people to belong we are creating that sense for us mm. and i think that that is incredibly important I think we have to make sure that other people belong so we can belong. I think I've heard y'all
1: on this podcast before, like when you are feeling and I do this too, like if I'm feeling down about something or if I'm feeling like I don't like I am not feeling the sense of belonging that I want to feel in a given moment. Like I take it upon myself to reach out to somebody who like I've heard y'all speak about that is how can I what can I do to create a sense of belonging for somebody else so that then i will kind of receive the reciprocals of that
0: yeah i mean and i, really I don't hope know, i said that that'd be cool I, I, and i don't it, you know it's not selfish it's not selfish to say i want to belong and create a space for that because sometimes we have to take that onus on ourselves. um we hope that other people are doing that for us as well we hope we have other communities to belong to but if we are creating them for other people by the way we interact with them, by the way we speak with them, by the way that we engage with them and the tone of voice that we use and all of these things that we've talked about before and creating a safe container. If we can do that, we're going to feel that ourselves. And I think that's, that's just really important. And I love that Victor does that throughout the first half of this movie. Yeah. And, and and through the second half we just well, look at it and, through and, different and ones. we
2: end on a scene where like his job is just, his means of making money via coins and the carts has been taken enrique cruz has just given him an option like this is how he's going to get fed right and so now he has option of food and so now he goes back to his home in 867 and before that he gets to this spot where he just needs work and we see that he has a skill Right. And so he has a skill where he is good at carpentry and um, building, etc. And he starts working and he starts uh, just fixing this wall. He sees materials there and he starts and he, you know, all of a sudden this crew shows up and was like, what are you doing? And they see his work and they see this. And how often are we given the opportunity? He's been applying to jobs for like several scenes now. And how often are we given the opportunity to demonstrate our skills? Like interviews don't really do it. Like how often are we given the opportunity to really demonstrate skills in order to get work, in order to be included, if you will? He doesn't even get that opportunity, right? No, He doesn't not even at get all. the
0: call because of 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 employer biases. Of, exactly. Of what he's doing. And I think that yes. as we we're talking about inclusion, we see a microcosm of this American ideal of. And pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and, 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 and you can succeed, and you can make it in this mess. country. And the reality is, all right, he doesn't have a phone, so and phones cost money, and he can't afford that, and he doesn't necessarily know how to use that. And so he is not able to do that, right? Um, he doesn't have an address because he lives in the terminal, and he might not be able to afford a home even if he could get out of the terminal. So he doesn't have an address to get a job, and so that's a barrier. Um, he doesn't have the opportunity to show the skills that he has except per happen chance. Like he had to wait on a fluke on luck for that to show up for him. And he has to deal with the biases of the employers that are hiring him. Yeah. All of these things are barriers that block this myth of if you just work hard, because he tried, he tried to get the carts and a barrier was put in front of him. Yeah. And so this idea that you can do this and succeed in the American dream is possible, but we're seeing it really isn't. And the data would also support that it's not, you're not able to achieve and that we and get very, out of your, your um, economic, social
2: status. Exactly. Right? And that we it's very clearly that see that allowed. he can—he has the skill set to do work. He's clearly dedicated. He clearly has knowledge. He's clearly—especially uh, in his construction role. Like, he is uh, seen on camera, like, dictating things, saying, no, we should do this instead. Like, he is very clearly capable. But he's never given the chance. But— just by happenstance they see him do this and they start paying him under the table to make i think that was a radical act of inclusion and i do think that that was intentionally trying to like steal a worker from another crew we see that and we hear that but a radical act of inclusion is being willing to pay somebody under the table for the work that they're doing in order to ensure they're getting paid
0: right sure yeah absolutely and the it's, employer is going to get little, punished for that, it and it's, which risky, is another barrier, right? right? But like, it's like that's or like, he could be punished for that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. There's just there's there's a lot of barriers to inclusion, y'all. How do we start working on uh, de-structuralizing those barriers so that we can uh, more freely include each other and be kind?
0: Absolutely. All right. Any other moments that are big on inclusion? Anyone else wants the highlight? No? Going once, going twice. I've got one more.
1: Oh, boy. Can Can we just
0: talk about how a nice, simple wave and a smile can mean the world to someone? We get that moment where Amelia wasn't waving to Victor, so there's definitely heartbreak. But how much joy did he feel in the moment where he thought she was waving to him? And that was such a simple gesture of just waving and smiling. And he felt so good and included and felt seen and that was all she did was wave and smile.
1: Yeah, that, that's great. And I, I've said out loud to y'all, like the Amelia Victor storyline is one I just don't need. But
2: <laughs> that's also true. <laughs> this is your favorite
0: movie, Max.
1: Not like nothing's perfect. We'll talk right?
0: about it next episode. It slows down a lot when they start pushing the romantic thread.
1: But I will give Amelia some credit. She does even even though she wasn't waving to Victor in that moment when they eventually do have that conversation at the bookstore. I think it's a Borders bookstore. Not what left.
0: happened to Borders? Bought out by Amazon, right?
1: Sponsor us. Um,
0: Barnes & Noble's bought them? Maybe it was Amazon. I think it was Barnes & Noble bought
2: them. They're gone.
1: But, like, they have a very good conversation about Napoleon, like, who to thunk. But, like, she does a good job of, like, welcoming him, and before she knows it, she's asking him on a date. And, and like, man, that's a that's a, that's a a way of including somebody in, in something. So um, I, I will give her a lot of credit for uh, even moving beyond that accidental wave interaction into like an actual conversation. And and I think that the their interactions give Victor the confidence he needs to go start painting and constructing his part of ho- the home so that he can show it off to uh, Amelia, which then is what shows gives him the opportunity to show off his skills to get that job. Like, yeah. Amelia, uh, I don't love the storyline, but it does set off some gears in, in action in some of You're the storylines right. I really right. do like.
2: Interesting. I love how those are connected.
0: Hmm. Mm. All right. Anything else we want to highlight before we go into our devotion, devotion. and our gratitude? All right. We will take a quick break and oh, cool, then we'll cool, be cool, right cool, back. Cool cool, cool.
2: cool. Cool. And we're back. For our devotion and our gratitude. And yeah, we are. We still are bending, not breaking. Yeah. And Yes, we are. We are very much interested in continuing our goal of maintaining and creating balance in the world. And one of the things that helps us do that is uh, continue with this ritual that we've we've started on doing our devotions through the lenses of each element. And so we're going to continue that. We're going to do uh, an elemental devotion still. And so we're going to start with fire, and our Patreon episodes will proceed on from from here on, on using the Avatar cycle. And so uh, to start us off, uh, who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about inclusion and fire mixed together?
0: I'll jump in mine. I, mine's going to go back to making sure that we are not just inviting people into spaces, but that we are creating a space that's welcoming for them to be invited into. That's what
2: mine's based off on.
0: And I am going to work with my organization that I currently work in to make sure that our hiring policies are ones that are welcoming and actually allowing us to, um, break, hopefully break down some of these barriers that might be required. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's my goal in creating a warmer, welcoming space, um, and making sure that we're, we're creating not just saying we're inclusive but actually doing that that's a um, big goal you have right it there. is a big one and it's probably not one that i can accomplish in a week but i have the steps to start and we've kind of said it how do you eat the you know the biggest thing at the
2: table and it's one, one bite, bite at a, at a time. time so yeah. I, that's my plan so mine's similar to yours and but i'm gonna i'm approaching it differently i have been sort of been binge watching survivor over the course of uh, COVID-19 and I'm on season 32. It's so
0: good. Uh, It's It's so bad. uh, Yeah. It's so good.
2: Yeah. All those things. But one of the things that they really focus on is, is fire gives you life in survivor. And, uh, it's interesting because they are all given, uh, after their first tribal council, a Flint and that Flint is a way for them to start fire. And so, uh, it, there's this is there's a lot of like layers involved in this, so bear with me. I'm gonna try and do it quickly. But first of all, you have to know how to use a flint. How do you like strike flint and to make fire? Because if someone without that knowledge, they're not gonna know what to do with a piece of like metal. What are they gonna like? What are they gonna do with flint? And so they're given flint, but they're also given flint attached to magnesium. And magnesium is very flammable, but it's not flammable if you just put it into a fire. It's flammable in like those little shavings are very very flammable. That's right. And so you have to be able to shave the magnesium in. And so giving someone a uh here's some flint go make fire is not necessarily that's like let's you know that's kindergarten level it's okay here's your flint here's your magnesium here's how you use it you should shave it make sure that you shave it into a nest of coconut uh husk husk so that it's nice and flammable and it lights up that's not damp like there's just there's so many layers to doing it right and building a fire and i feel like i i Inclusion should be easy, but it's not. Inclusion should be easy, but it's not. And so in order to be inclusive, we have to, how do we break down those steps? And so for me, I want to go back to the beginning and figure out uh, what those steps are and how can I break that down into, how do I build a roaring fire of inclusion? I really want that in my life. And what I'm breaking that down into where I'm my gap is, is I am not reaching out to people in COVID. So during COVID times, I I'm a hermit naturally. I'm super introverted, and so like I'm anti people a lot of the time. Anti people? Yeah. I, I gave a speech in high school about how I hate people. Mm. Um, I you know I've changed, I've grown, <laughs> but <laughs> but moral of the story is like I uh, in my not good space, mental space, I run away from people. And so I tend to be pretty much anti-inclusive. <laughs> uh, and so I need to figure out during COVID, like I need to think who are the people that need me to reach out? Who can I reach out to that needs uh, someone in their life, someone to just talk to? And like, I, you know, I think about my mom. I haven't talked to my mom. She has to call me. Like, how can I call my mom? And just be inclu- like, not make her do all the work to build keep our relationship intact. But it's mm-hmm. not just my mom. It's like, who are the friends that I'm not reaching out to and being inclusive of? And so that's like that. I'm sorry, that was a really long explanation. But like, what am I doing this week? I'm reaching out to people and and doing the other my part of our relationship mm-hmm. by inviting them in. That's Absolutely. that's what I'm trying to do.
1: That's great. Uh, mine is gonna maybe be similar, but I think it's different enough that I can still do it. Uh, But this is a new exercise for me. I don't really think about fire very often. But what is fire good for? It creates light. It creates warmth. uh, And fire is really, really great when it is controlled. And it is in you are able to keep it under control and make it do what you want it to do. Uh, You don't want a fire that spreads all over the place because that gets dangerous fast. True. So when I think about inclusion, inclusion through that lens, I think that I have a habit of when I, uh, or I'm guilty of, when I am painting a picture of inclusion in my mind, it is, let me invite all of the people to this thing that I'm hosting or this thing that I'm trying to do. And really that's just like throwing embers anywhere and seeing where it will light. And I don't know that that is actually an act of inclusion. Uh, So I think what I would like to try to do a better job of is send intentional and specific invitations to people uh, just as Ben said he wants to intentionally reach out to people that he wouldn't otherwise reach out to uh, but I, I think that I could do a better job of instead of putting out a tweet that says going to the ballpark later anybody want to join me uh, sending it to two or three people or just one person and sa- that says hey I'm thinking of sitting by a campfire later would you like to join me and we can have a pleasant conversation and I think that 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 is a challenge of mine because uh, as I've hit upon earlier in this episode. Like sometimes I don't have the confidence in myself of why would this person want to hang out with me and just me? Like I'd much rather send out a group invite so that like, yeah, Max is going to be there, but I'll have all these other people to talk to as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, as your friend, I am, I, I care about you a lot, but I'm not going to respond to that group invite. I I know. Like when I'm not, but when you tell, when you invite me, it makes me feel like you want to hang out with me. And so I'm uh, like so much more likely to say yes. So I just, just being your friend and seeing you have seeing that I'm giving you some data to support the decision you're making. All
0: in. Those are some wonderful no, devotions. Not
1: all in. That's not the point. Just like <laughs> some people in <laughs> all in, in doesn't intentional work. Intentional inclusion. Yes.
0: Let's give some gratitude. Mm. Mm. To some characters and list them up before we jump into, uh, before we end this episode, and then yeah. y'all gotta wait on part two.
2: Yeah, before we jump into the end.
1: People are on the edge of their seat, I'm sure, <laughs> waiting for true. more of the Terminal content.
0: Hey, some people watched it. Some people will watch it because of you, Max. That's probably true.
1: You can follow me on Twitter, where it is just a plethora of Terminal references. That's so
0: true.
2: And if, if <laughs> Little re- Big League references.
1: Little yeah, tournament little big league is likely the next Max's choice. Yeah,
2: love <laughs> so, that. So on sports, on top of being grateful for Max and the fact that he is in my life, I am also going to be grateful for someone in the film, and so I'm going to pick Enrique Cruz, Senor Cruz,
1: played by Diego Luna. If you need it,
2: thank you. Uh, I didn't, but I'm okay with it. So like he, he's an interesting character because it feels somewhat icky in a way that like, right like.
0: To kind of snake your way into that relationship that
2: way, snake might be too harsh Uh, of a word. And so maybe I'm being judgmental, but it just it feels
0: you're having someone almost spy for information. Yeah, Uh, and
2: it just it feels weird. Moral of the story is, if I am generous with that, I I have been him, and I've never like spied on anybody with someone. I've never, but I've like been in a place where I have I have so desperately had a crush on someone and i have just wanted to be closer to them and i want to know them and i want to learn about them and not in a stalkery way i don't think i've done that but, but like i i just i know what it's like to 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 have feelings for for someone from afar and it's it's very challenging it's not easy it's and it's beautiful when it's handled appropriately and i just I think that it turns out really well in this movie. And I just want a connection. And it's it's just like that really that desperate bid for, for, for connection. That's exactly right. And I just, I'm really grateful that he has a kind heart and that he, he's clearly kind throughout this movie. He, he helps Victor. He uh, is just, he's kind. And I'm grateful for that.
0: And I want to just highlight that proves that like really kind people can also mess up. And yeah, exactly. We don't, Don't spy on people that you have crushes on. Well, and to be fair, I think
2: I think that had she said no, he would have stopped. That's I think that's the difference. Like she played along and answered the questions, and had she not, I think he would have stopped. And so I'm 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 just grateful for him, and I'm grateful for the love that was long unrequited.
1: Can we talk about the man of mystery versus man of misery bit?
0: Please, oh. Yes, but like the moment he, he says, I'm a man of mystery.
1: He's, well, yeah, he says, and, no, he, no says, he says,
2: I'm a man of misery. Great misery. So no.
1: Officer Torres is wondering who her secret admirer is. And uh, Victor says, well, he's a, he's a man of misery. And Torres is like, oh, you mean man of mystery? And Victor's like, no, no, like he is, he is, he is, he is miserable. He is so in love. Like his, his heart is so full. It's a great moment. Man. And it proves his, like he's, he's really capturing English by now.
0: He is. He went a long way with that. I think that yeah, that was a great moment. Who are y'all grateful for? Max, you want to go? I'm
1: grateful for Mulroy, who plays a. Uh, I guess he's a TSA agent. Uh, but he's he's part of this cast of characters that Victor gets to know on a on a I guess a friendship level. It's it's uh, Diego or sorry Enrique. Uh, there's Gupta, the janitor, and then there's Mulroy. Are kind of this this group of four that kind of become friends and play poker together, but. At the very toward the beginning of the movie, Gupta is very very suspicious of Victor, assuming he's a spy or he's CIA, and like why is he in this airport all the time? And
2: he's pretty suspicious of him, like even until he gets X-rayed.
1: Fair. But, yeah. That was
0: that could that could not have been healthy, right? No. Sending him through an X-ray machine yeah, without like a lead healthy. jacket that could not have been healthy.
1: But we 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 do a lot of talking on this podcast about how can we do a better job of assuming the best in people. I or, knew Max paid attention. Yeah. That's why I said we do a lot of that talking. Um, <laughs>
0: Here's the conversation every now and then.
1: <laughs> but I think Moroy is an example of that where when Gupta is like super suspicious of, of Victor, Moroy's the guy who's like, no like he's probably just a guy like who's in a pretty sticky situation right now. like maybe don't be so suspicious of him. Let's think of ways we can actually help him. So I'm grateful that he he looks out for Victor in that way when he doesn't need to. And he has the brilliant idea of, you know what, Gupta, if you don't believe me, we can we can x-ray this guy to make sure he's not wearing a wire or whatever. So um, I think that that is really neat that he kind of is the person who helps Gupta, uh, primarily Gupta, feel more willing to include Victor in their, in their poker game.
0: I love that. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, mine? Gonna...
1: No, actually. Well,
0: oh, yeah, we just won't do mine. I really enjoyed uh, the Burger King employees and the extra mile they went, because it could have been so easy for them to say, you have to order something, and then him not have been able to, and then said, we'll come back when you're ready to order, and that be it. But they took time to try to understand him and understand what he needed and wanted, and then they were able to support him, and I think that that was really beautiful. And I hate Burger King. Do I, I don't like Burger King.
1: When was the last oh, time you man. had Burger King? I
2: used to love Burger King as a child.
0: I just don't think it's their good. chicken sandwich, the long one. Uh, when
1: was the last time you had it? everywhere. Sunshine?
0: It's probably been a few years. It's probably been four or five years.
1: I had it somewhat recently, and it was pretty good. I and it had been years.
0: I'm also gonna be real. I, I think been the to last King time I went was with time. you, Max. I think we went like near your parents' house. There was a Burger King that we like
2: went
1: oh. to. I remember going like on our way back from the lake house for a staff retreat one time.
2: That's when I think was last one for me. Oh,
0: yeah, it's been a while. I don't like Burger King, so but I do like, like their employees in that
2: moment, and so I just want to give them
0: gratitude because I think those little acts of kindness can go such a long way. And I want to highlight them and give. Sometimes them
1: Sometimes I wish I could just give somebody like five dollars and just say, "Give me the best thing you got for five dollars," which is basically the interaction that Victor and the Burger King employees had.
0: They they gave him so much. Two thousand four, right? Like he got a burger for seventy-four cents.
1: Yeah. It was like a Whopper Jr. It was like a Whopper Jr.
0: But with tax in an airport for seventy-four cents.
2: They were being kind. I think that's the that's the, that's two, what I want to just two thousand four.
1: Keep the change. And there there wasn't a coin shortage back then.
2: Man, what a cool opportunity to do this with something that's not Avatar related, that's still very uh enriching conversation lots of learning that came from this i just this what a what a cool experience
0: and that's this really is only possible because we want to thank our patrons for for supporting us to be able to do this so that we uh y'all have been amazing thank y'all so much for 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 supporting us through this process so that we can continue to make these podcasts it's been an absolute blast and uh, we're going to keep on doing it part two coming up next month so don't miss that um, tune you have in time for... to go
1: watch The Terminal. You can go watch of.
0: The Terminal. Also,
1: maybe most underrated musical score of all time. I mean, it's John Williams. It's anything he's done. It's not
0: like, it, it's not like this is like an up-and-comer yeah. musician. But it,
1: it, it bops, my dudes. <laughs>
0: I was actually, bops is probably a good term. Like, it does, like, bop and it's in a in a sense of just the way that it, you almost view someone, you know, bopping to it. So, well Bop. I wait for next month's episode. I, st- I don't. I still don't think I'm on board with the accents. Uh,
1: I mean, Tom Hanks did one for the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, like
0: let's be real. <laughs> I I don't. Tom Hanks is great. I don't necessarily love casting him in in this. Uh, I wonder if there's someone else they could have casted, but he's good, just for problematic reasons. Anyways, come back next time. Terminal Part Two, right here on Patreon. Thank y'all so much for listening. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Pruitt.
1: Oh, I get to do it. You get to do it now. And this, six foot one from Raleigh, North Carolina, he never currently a resident of Durham. He never gets
0: to do it never again. again.
1: Elon University, oh class of two thousand twelve. Max Gongaware, thanks for having me.
0: No more. (laughs) We just ended after 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 that next time. (laughs) Thank y'all. Listen next time. Have a great night. Goodbye. Or day. Or whenever you're listening. Bye-bye.